0: Hunter S. Thompson wrote, Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow, what a ride. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. I'm Stacey Wheeler. This morning I woke before dawn thinking about death, and more specifically, people who predicted their own deaths. This is how the universe sometimes picks my topics. I wake up intrigued by an idea. Most of us have heard stories, usually told secondhand about yogis or other holy people, of places like India or Nepal, who predict the day they will die. Sometimes they say the person even predicts the time. Research around this phenomenon or confirmed cases are kind of hard to come by, though there is some research out there Maybe the eastern fixation with this comes from the story shared about the Buddha who they say predicted his own death. Of course, it's been thousands of years and the historical story of the Buddha was shared orally for maybe a hundred years or more before ever being written down. Probably hundreds of years. Since religious philosophies tend to favor a touch of the mystical, who's to really say anything about how the Buddha died or whether he predicted his own death? It's hard to say. just the same, I find the idea that a person might be able to predict their own death Intriguing. And sitting in my bed to awake for that hour, I started to wonder how much truth there was to these sorts of claims. And my phone was there, and so was the Brave browser, so I started searching. And there was a lot out there about this, more than I realized. And not all of it comes from the Far East. But let's start there. There's a word in Sanskrit, Ritu, I think is how it's pronounced. And it means having death at one's own power or dying at one's own will. It's also uh, called ijimritu, meaning self-willed death. And if I'm I'm destroying that word and it's hurting your ears and this is your native language, please excuse me. So self-willed death, and this isn't to be confused with self-inflicted death, but it's interesting. The idea of having power over the day you die is so well accepted in that region of the world that they have a word for it. We must remember also that in these cultures, there is a strong belief in reincarnation. So death isn't looked at as we in the West typically look at death. In the East, death is the end of one life before the start of another. A prediction of your own death in the West has a more ominous feel to it. For many in our culture, death is the end. But this group of people have a word for it. And this is a concept that goes back thousands of years, possibly before recorded history and probably before written language. Cases of predicting one's own death in this region of the world are easy to find but hard to corroborate. This is not to say that they can't be believed. After all, if a person has a true guru spirit, they wouldn't seek notoriety for making such a prediction. Any prediction would rightly be made to those close to them, perhaps family or devotees. So we shouldn't be surprised that cases like these are spoken of after the fact rather than before. One case we can look at that's more modern is that of Swami Vivekananda. He was the spiritual guru who played a major role in the introduction of Vedanta and yoga in the Western world right around the turn of the century. Vivekananda said that he would not live more than 40 years and his prediction came true on July 4th, 1902. It's said that he went to his room that evening asking not to be disturbed and never came out. He is said to have died around 9, 10 p.m. while meditating. He was 39 years old, so he was right. He didn't live to be 40. It's also worth noting that traditionally in India, people classify deaths in one of two ways. They have a word for timely death and a word for untimely death. I won't try to pronounce those because, again, I'll probably injure your ears trying to, but I'll put them in the show notes. So looking at that, if a yogi has left his or her body consciously at the age of 39, we don't say it's untimely. It's timely for them because they decided the time. So the way they look at death in this part of the world is subtly different from the way people in the West look at death. So cases a little closer to home here in the West The writer, Mark Twain, who wrote The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, along with a lot of other writings, was born in 1835. And in that year, Halley's Comet passed the Earth at a very close distance. In 1909, when Twain was in his 70s, he declared that he would die the next time Halley's Comet passed the Earth. He said at the time, I came in with Halley's Comet in 1835. It's coming again next year, and I expect I will go with it. It will be the greatest disappointment of my life if I don't go out with Halley's Comet. On the 20th of April, 1910, the next year, the comet once again passed Earth, and Twain was right. He died of a heart attack the next day, on April 21, 1910, one day after the comet's closest approach to Earth. I have to say my first thought is, well, Twain was in his 70s. He's at that age where people start dying. It's not unusual to think your death may be impending in your 70s. So it wouldn't be all that hard to guess, right? But to predict it within 24 hours? Huh. I have to wonder if we can make a conscious choice to leave the body when we're ready. A more intriguing account comes from someone you may have heard of if you're a basketball fan or at least a basketball fan in the 1970s. Pete Maravich was a really talented NBA player at the top of his sport in 1974 when he declared in an interview that he did not want to play basketball for more than 10 years in the NBA and that he would most likely die of a heart attack at the age of 40. To be clear, Maravich had never been diagnosed with a heart condition so it was an oddly specific suggestion that he'd die that way. He kept playing basketball for another six years and in 1980 he quit at 10 years playing the sport, just as he said. And on the 5th of January 1988 Maravich, who was 40, suddenly died of a heart attack while playing basketball with some friends, just as he predicted. These cases are especially interesting because they're so well-documented, and no one seems to argue that Twain and Merovic predicted their own deaths. These are cases of people who are famous, so they stand out to us. And again, as I said, they're well-documented. If you're like me, maybe you've heard stories like these of relatives or friends who also predicted their own deaths. Because they aren't famous, maybe they don't seem as noteworthy, but most people aren't famous. So I think it's kind of more interesting and a more interesting case study to hear stories kind of first-hand or second-hand about people we know. There's less cause to make up such a story about someone who's not well-known. So to me, they seem a little more believable, a little more credible. And because a person isn't famous, they don't get the opportunity to go on record as in an interview with a statement like that. It's something they're more likely to have just said in passing rather than proclaim. So why am I talking about this death prediction stuff? Well, I wonder if the ability to predict your moment of death is evidence of the soul. It seems that cultures with a belief in reincarnation tend to fear death a lot less. And in fearing death less, perhaps they're able to connect more with their deeper self through meditation or other forms of quiet reflection and in finding that balance are reminded that this life is temporary, that this life is a journey that has a beginning and an end, but that it's not the end. Isaac Asimov wrote, Life is pleasant, death is peaceful. It's that transition that's troublesome. The transition is what trips most of us up, and that fear of the end. This topic we're diving into brings up an interesting question about knowing when you will die. If you could know, Would you want to? Would there be a benefit to knowing? Or would it all be bad news for you? In recent years, there have been a lot of researchers trying to perfect the ability to predict mortality in individuals. If we look further back, we find it's been going on for hundreds of years, but we seem to be getting better at it. A company called Decode Genetics has been working on a blood test, in fact, to predict the likelihood of death. And they say they're getting really good at it. There are websites now that claim to have online tools to help predict death dates. Deathclock.org is one of them. It seems to be mostly for amusement, as far as I can tell, rather than anything else. But others are intended to be tools to help with end-of-life planning for the death of elderly or infirmed loved ones. The idea being, if you know when someone's likely to die, it's easier to make financial plans around it. In 2019, NBC published a news story called AI Can Predict When Someone Will Die With Unsettling Accuracy. The story profiles an organization that's developed an artificial intelligence algorithm, which it says can predict with up to 76% accuracy the early death of subjects who participated in a study they did. To be clear, this AI didn't guess the date, only that the subjects were more likely to die earlier than the normal life expectancy. And in 2020, the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, published an article called The Uncertain Science of Predicting Death, where they dove into the topic. So we can see how the human fascination with death makes its way into research and culture. And it's still going on. But would you want to know, if you could? I mean, if there were a way to know for certain the day, the week, or month you would die? Would you want to? Would knowing that date The date of your death make your life more full or more frightening? We all understand that life is finite. We're born then we die and Asimov argues it's that transition that's troublesome. You and I are in that transition right now. We have no guarantees of a moment past this one. Is it enough to know that life is finite, that we are mortal, and to know that everything is a gift? My greatest peace and joy are found when I can be still and enjoy the moment, the moment that I'm in. And these are best found when I understand every moment is precious. It takes practice, it takes intention. Remembering I'm mortal helps. What if you did know the date of your death? Would it change the way you lived for the better, for the worse? I invite you to live your life today, appreciating the little moments Pause and reflect on the fragility of life. Feel love for those who have shared love with you. And understand that every breath is a gift. That breath, the one you just took, and the one you're taking now, a gift. We may not know the date of our deaths, but we know that in this moment we are alive. Cherish this moment. Every conversation, every scent, every bright color, and feel the sun on your skin. Embrace the uncomfortable cold and the repellent smells of life. Enjoy frustration, anger, and annoyance and inconvenience. That you can be bothered means you're still alive. Hans Christian Andersen wrote, Life itself is the most wonderful fairy tale. I agree. Fairy tales, like life, are fraught with peril. The fairy tale ride is enjoyable and fulfilling for us. If we embrace the ride of life, we can enjoy the ride. In life, in the end, all is resolved. Just like the fairy tale. Maybe the key difference is in life. We die happily ever after. Thank you for listening to this old podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, learned something new, or were just entertained, please tell your friends about the show. This is the best way for people to find the show. Check the show notes for links to supporting information, as well as any books or other reading material related to this episode.